Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Catherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And my guest today is Mary T. Kelly, M.A. She's a psychotherapist and writer who specializes in working with step families since 2002. She works in direct, solution-focused, and research-based ways. She has a private practice in Boulder, Colorado, and video conferences with clients both domestically and internationally. Mary is a contributing writer for Stepmom Magazine and Huffington Post. Welcome, Mary Kelly. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, and it's a pleasure being invited, and I look forward to our conversation. So how did you start working with blended families? It was a while ago, obviously, and I just started getting clients that were part of step families and started realizing that the challenges that were being presented to them were very unique to nuclear families, obviously. People that are trying to combine non-biological members into a new family and often on a part-time basis because of parenting schedules, people typically get 50-50 and started doing some research and seeing the solutions that you use as a marriage counselor with nuclear families definitely were not working with step couples. And just started seeing there's a very high rate of divorce. It's 64 to 72% divorce rate of remarriage with kids and really started looking into what's going on here that's causing these kinds of breakups. And started writing about it, and then eventually started specializing and um, actually started a meetup group probably about eight years ago for women who were dating, living with, or married to one with kids, whether they had children or not. And that meetup group, I now have over 450 members just locally um, and realized the, especially for stepmothers, the support that they really need because they're in a culture that doesn't really understand how difficult it is. So um, especially for women who don't have children and partner with someone with kids, if they say to their friends, wow, this is really hard, they'll get pat answers like, well, you knew it was a package deal. And, and it's, yeah, it's not another helpful statement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People like to throw out platitudes when they don't know what to say, but the culture and, and especially for stepmothers, They've got a tag of evil stepmother before they say, I do, (laughs) before they start. And being a stepmother is a bum rap, like, you know, in the fairy tales. And and so why is that? What do you think about that? You know, it started way before Disney movies. Sure. And, you know, part of me just has to think there's a little bit of misogyny involved in it because stepfathers fare much better. A stepfather can take his stepson to soccer practice and it's like, oh, look at Sam. He's such a great stepfather. But when a woman does that, it's either, well, she should or she's being intrusive. So 
it's just, I think these stereotypes and fables started so long ago that even today, if I went up to 10 people on the street, which actually you do right now, but, and said, tell me the first word that comes into your mind when I say the word stepmother, there's a good chance 10 out of 10 are going to say evil. And that persists to this day. So it's really tough to get people who are not part of step families to even care about this. And they should, because right now the nuclear family is in the minority. There are more families living outside of marriage, step families, and single people than there are nuclear families. But we don't really see that presented on TV or in movies. So people are very unaware of how difficult that position is. And and everybody has a difficult position, right? The stepkids have to go back and forth. Remarriage is born out of loss. So there's a lot of grief that doesn't get expressed. But back to your original question, I just think it's one of those beliefs that's just been passed on generationally for hundreds of years, really. Yeah, I have to say that I'm, I said this in before we started the show. I'm a stepmother and a mom. And so I think you're right that it is much easier in my observation and my practice and in my personal life that if there's balance there, you know, each spouse has their own biological children yeah. and it makes it much easier to, I think you understand what parenting is more when you are a parent. I mean, I think that's obvious, right? And, yeah. uh, and so that, you know, you understand that, that is that there's a balance in the pull between, you know, being a parent, being a spouse, and being a step-parent. Because I think there's a lot of competing priorities, and you only have so much time. You know, I used to say I have love for, you know, countless children. I only have time for so many. That's right. That's right. Well, I think that's true, and I think especially for women who haven't had children, if those of us who are parents, I have four kids, before we had kids, we thought, oh, my kid's not going to do that, and they're going to do this, and I'm going to expect this, and I'm going to expect that. And then we give birth to them, and within 24 hours, we start getting humbled. And that humbled (laughs) day after day and year after year, so you get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm picking my battles here. So a woman comes in who has her kids, and she feels like, well, I have these parenting philosophies, that just aren't realistic because they haven't gone through the the terrible humbling part of being a parent because you give birth to these people that have free will and uh, like to exercise them, especially when they're teenagers. So for the fathers, they're trying to juggle a lot. And typically men feel like they feel very caught in the middle between their children and their new partner and sometimes their ex-wife. And they feel like nothing they do is good enough. They're not pleasing anybody. And that's a very powerless feeling for men to have. Stepmoms come in and the language is tricky too, because stepmother implies you got to be a mother. And then you have all these kids that are going, yeah, you're not my mother, which is true. So it's trying to figure out what is my voice in this family. The depression rate among stepmothers is much higher than mothers. And I think it's because they feel powerless a lot of times or they'll give and they'll give to these kids and they don't get anything in return. And they certainly don't get the support from the culture. You know, as a mother, I could say, 
oh, you know, my kids are driving me crazy. They're slobs. They're a mess. And other mothers go, yeah, they drive me crazy. And then if a stepmother is sitting there and says the same thing, it's going to stop the conversation. Yeah. That's really unfair. And I, and it's I think really it's awful. really true. I remember yeah, early on in my um, step-parenting career, and again, I had my own children, and so it was a putting of two families mm-hmm. together. Which, and I completely agree that if you don't have that opportunity, it's much harder. But I remember I was sitting in the pediatrician's office thinking, wow, you know, you know just with a healthy kid visit, thinking it would be so great to have a group of other people doing this because my friends were not having this experience. And I was like, I really want right. to be able, and I picked up one of those like little parenting like newspapers and boom, there was a, an ad in the back going stepmother's group. And I was like, Oh, thank God. You know, this is a, like a higher power. Put this ad in the paper and gave me the support of these other women to kind of go yeah. through this together. And we met together uh, for years to help us sort of support those sort of challenges and what it means, you know, generically, just the difficulty of it and the individual challenges we were experiencing. And it sounds like with your meetup group, you have other people who are experiencing the value of camaraderie. So what do you think about that? Well, it it is a huge relief to them because most of the time I start working with women, uh, stepmoms, and I work with them all over the world. They feel guilty for very natural reasons, natural and normal reasons, so they don't need to feel guilty. So they'll come into the group and they're kind of reticent to share because they think there's something wrong with them, that they're struggling with some of their stepkids, or God forbid they don't like their stepkid, or they had a really good relationship with these kids before they married their father, and for some unexplicable reason, and it happens fairly often, they get married and all of a sudden the kid doesn't like them because they, you know, they have natural loyalty binds to their own mothers. And so they think that they're the only ones that are feeling this way. And so they get to come to the group and they hear other women going, yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't like my stepkid right now or I'm struggling right now. And they find out they're not a terrible person. This is a, this is a big ask to invite people to combine families with non-biological members because, and, and sadly for a lot of people, love doesn't conquer all. And if people would lower their expectations of what they're expecting from the kids, from the parents, from themselves, and take off some of these expectations because they feel like failures. Or couples will come in and they'll say, yeah, we had no idea it would be this hard and we don't feel like a blended family. What's wrong with us? And I just say the problems with the term blended family, like who came up with that? Because it just gives this expectation that everything's going to be smooth and working together. And, you know, I, I call them lumpy families, which is a, a more accurate way to look at it. And, and I wouldn't even expect nuclear families to be blended because they're comprised of people with different personalities and, and different motivations. So they come to this group and, and just the therapeutic value of knowing, oh, I'm not a terrible person that I'm struggling with this is really, really powerful. 
I'm Catherine Miller. You're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WBOX 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 530. And we're also available as a podcast on all popular podcast apps. And I'm talking today with Mary Kelly about blended families and the challenges of being a stepmother and a stepfather. So Mary Kelly, what are some things that people can do to ease the transition to this I don't know, quilt work, patchwork, uh, family that make it more successful? Yeah, I think one thing is the couple themselves have to figure out how to be a team. And I think also for step parents and, and stepfathers tend to back off a lot more naturally. They're, they're more like, good, I'll support you. And, but women tend, we tend to get a little bit more involved, a little bit more hardwired to process relationships. And so it would be getting some education, hopefully, before you enter it, which doesn't happen often. So, you know, it's never too late. But to just take a look at just the language, stepmother, stepfather, those put pressure on kids because they have no loyalty binds to their own parent. They don't see that person as a mother or a father, and you can even decide, do you even want to be called that? You could be called dad's wife or, um, you know, dad's partner. Some women call themselves as stepwomen, and it takes away some of that expectation and actually can be quite helpful to the kids. Now, if you do that, people are going to judge you like, oh, I shouldn't want to be called a stepmother, but those are people that typically haven't been involved in it. But to look at the language and, and whether you use it or not to realize it takes four to six years for families to feel somewhat comfortable with each other. So to come in and start like trying to act as a parent right away is, is not a great idea. And you have to negotiate though the house rules, like what do we want our house to look like and how can we support each other if you're bringing kids in there's a likely chance that you're going to have some different parenting styles. So it's negotiating ways to figure out what does that look like and the ages of the kids and knowing that kids are going from one house to another. And while you don't want, you don't want your home to have to mirror what the other home or homes are doing. Let's say they're in a really permissive home. 50% of the time they come to your house all of a sudden it's like military style. That's going to be a difficult experience for the kids. So it's also being really, really patient and not having this big expectation of we've got to be this big blended family. Just letting that be and be in the process of how you get people to get comfortable with each other and feel okay being around each other. Does that make sense? And and sometimes it can even be more complicated. It's complicated in a different way when people have their own children. Because then what are the ages of the kids? Do you get them at the same time? How do they get along? And making sure that kids, you know, have a birth order. So you children, have, you had your firstborn, and I don't know if you had two or three, but all of a sudden they get with a a step family and they may feel like they've lost their place. So there's a lot to be aware of. Um, so just getting a lot of this information, which hasn't always been very available 
80% of young adult stepkids would say they do not feel close to their stepmothers. This is not a negative thing. They're just saying, I'm not close to them. It doesn't mean they dislike them. It's just that they're not their person. So if yeah. you're entering this family and you're aware of that kind of thing, you're not going to be so devastated because I see women just knocking themselves out. I mean, they're like, I am going to be the best stepmother ever. And then it just oftentimes they don't get appreciated at all or they even get resented for what they're doing. What does it even mean to be the best stepmother ever? Well, you know, like I'll tell you that... what it looks like to me when I'm listening okay. to them. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm working with women in their 30s and mostly 30s and their 40s at this point. And I'm listening and I'm going, what? You sound like you're like a 1950s housewife. Like you are doing all the cooking and the cleaning and the running around. These aren't even in your kids. And you weren't even born anywhere near the 50s. Right? I was born in the 1950s. I, I wouldn't have done that stuff. So, and there's a competitive nature, to be honest, with a lot of new wives versus the ex-wives. I mean, one thing I hear in my group and, and hear from women all over the world, I'll say, hey, what's the ex-wife like? What's the relationship like? 95% of the time I hear, she's crazy. It's like, wow, the ex is crazy. That's a lot of crazy mothers out there. And there definitely are some crazy mothers out there, but there's this, there just seems to be this really competitive quality. And for my group, my intention of the group is, my group is to help support you in your relationship or if you're married in your marriage, because these have really high breakup rates. Two-thirds yeah. of the time, these women want to talk about the ex. And so a lot of my work is helping women to stop ruminating about the ex and quit giving so much time and attention or uh, there's a lot of judgment going on. And I tell them, you know, if I started a group for ex-wives whose uh, ex-husbands repartnered, they'd say that you were all crazy. So this needs to stop. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you don't need to be friends with the ex, but there's a lot of preoccupation of that. I'm Catherine Miller. You're and listening to Divorce Dialogues uh, here on WBOS 1460 AM every other Wednesday from 5 to 530 and also available as a podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Mary Kelly about step families and particularly step mothers. And Mary, if people are interested in finding out more about you or your work, where can they find out more? They can find me on my website, which is www.realstepfamilies.com. That'd be the best way to find me, or they can call me at 303-594-5240. Those are the two best ways to find me. Well, so, you know, one thing that I thought when, when I was remarrying is that I thought, you know, we needed to think about our marriage because mm -hmm. in first marriages, usually, at least traditionally, have a period of time to develop before children mm -hmm. come along. And that's not true in a marriage where you are involving children who live at home because all of a sudden you're not two people. Mm -hmm. You know, you're many people, maybe, and everybody's got all kinds of different kinds of 
expectations, not just the parents, but also the kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, conflict comes from that. So I wanted to think about, all right, there's going to be time when we are not trying to be parents. You know, we have a chance to develop our relationship. And then there's time when we're working on our family, like, writ large, the whole thing. And then there's time that we're each of us having individual time with our own biological children. And I wanted to be very, very Mm -hmm. careful about that. And I also wanted to make sure we moved to a new house. So everybody, we weren't just moving one set of kids into another set of kids' Mm -hmm. house, like, you know, so that we were creating something new from the very beginning. You know, we're lucky to be able to have the means to do that. And we also put into place like a series, like a chore chart, you know, I mean, we had like for years, we had this sort of huge argument at dinner, who's going to sit next to mom, you know, who's going to sit next to dad, <laughs> where were they sitting, you know, and, and, you know, yeah. we would talk about it all the time, but we tried all these different configurations, but we were really explicit about it. And and I think that really kind of helped because at least we were talking about it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm just really impressed with, the ability that you guys had to see, you know, all the moving parts and, and potential difficulties because those are challenging things. And you have kids that are making transitions, you know, every other week and transitional days can take two to three days to adjust. And then it, it's true. Where does the marriage fit into all this? And when Especially, you know, you get your kids 50% of the time. When you get them, you want to spend that time with them. But it's really important, and it's important in any relationship, that couples get a date night. Because, as you said, there's kind of a couple's developmental process where most people get the advantage of having a number of years before they bring children into the mix. And this is like, you know, being splashed with, with cold water, and let's just dive into the deep end right away. And so you don't have that advantage of all that time. And so it gets short circuited. So you just have to work so much harder and having a regular date night is really, really important. And it's especially important when you go out on date night, you don't talk about any of the stuff because it's so complicated (laughs) and it, it can be so painful that you just pretend it's just the two of you. And you talk about your dreams or just enjoy yourselves and relax and not use it as a time to argue about the kids or the the house rules, but really being a team and figuring out a way to be a team. And it wouldn't even mean that you have to parent your kids the same way under the same roof. It depends on the ages, right? If one person has young kids and they marry someone that has teenagers, those teenagers are very well-baked. And you're going to have to take into consideration how they've been parented. Men tend to be more permissive post-divorce. And so that's a big thing that needs to be negotiated because women tend to not be as permissive or they're very concerned, especially if they haven't had kids. They're like, where are the consequences? Where's the consistency? And they bring an objectivity into it. So just because they haven't had kids doesn't mean you don't listen to them, but it's just not that simple. It's not that simple. So if you were able to put this chore chart up and everybody followed it, that's awesome. I mean, I had four of my own kids and, you know, it was, it was a constant attempt to get something to work consistently. And the only thing that worked consistently was when they went off to college. 
So I, we we paired them up, Mary, so that they had chore. I had a chore partner, and we changed it up. Oh, that's good. Something they like better than telling it on each other. So you see, this way, <laughs> yeah, we were more yeah, likely to get good. them to do the chore because they had this chore partner who would be stuck doing it if they didn't. See, that's clever, huh? <laughs> well, that was really. You guys are smart. I'm so impressed. Um, <laughs> And it, it's really and it, being able to cover each other's backs. I, and because men tend to feel, um, a lot of men feel oftentimes unacknowledged and unexpressed grief and shame that they weren't able to provide their kids with mom and dad under the house together. And so to compensate for that, they tend to be more permissive, um, which isn't the best parenting. And And really for a lot of people, the kids, Dad, stepmoms, grief is a huge part of just allowing a process of grief because there's a lot of loss as you're trying to recreate um, a new different kind of family. So just very quickly, what are some words you would use to describe the ideal step-parent, step-child relationship? Well, ideal or realistic? Well, you know, reasonably realistic. I mean, it's sort of like you don't want to be, um, when we're running out of time, but you don't want to be a disciplinarian. Yeah. What, what would no. you want to be? Like a, an uncle, a, a aunt? A, a yeah, yeah. It would be it would be more like, not a friend because you want to be an adult, but it would be more like an aunt or an uncle thing. Like you're, you want to be the good guy, because especially for stepmoms because they already have a bit of a target on their back. But... I just think to act, whether you feel it or not, to act in kind and respectful ways and to be interested, um, activities done one-on-one usually work better than in big groups, and to be patient, to be patient with that. Um, all right. And if it ends I think up that's, all, that's, that's all we have time for today, but yeah. I think that's really great advice. Mary Kelly, thank you so much for being our guest on Divorce Dialogue. Well, thank you so much for having me.